The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The Gospel of the Lord. Almost all of the professional sports teams do something very instructive. Before the season begins, they have a special time of training just to go back to the basics and learn once again the skills that will win the team the game. In baseball, it's called spring training, but just to learn again how to swing the bat and how to turn the double play and so on. Without that special training to get back to the basics, the season won't go as well as it could. Well, in a spiritual sense, Lent is like that, where God takes us back to this kind of spring training so that we don't forget the basics of our faith and our relationship with God. That's precisely what's happening in our first reading because we're taken back to the beginning and the fall and that great temptation that bedeviled our first parents. There were actually three temptations, three different angles that the devil used to cause our parents to fall. And these are very instructive for us to remember because they are primordial temptations. They're called the threefold concupiscence, entranceways into our soul and tempting us to turn away from God. Well, what are these three? First, the lust of the eyes. Now, Adam and Eve had been told very precisely by God not to eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And yet, what does the text tell us? They approached that tree and they found that the tree, and especially the fruit, was a delight to the eyes. That delight to the eyes is what's called the lust of the eyes. And it directly relates to what's called avarice, where we see something, many things, let's say you're going in a mall and you look into the windows of the stores and all kinds of nice shiny things that you love to have. But you're already over your credit limit. You know you shouldn't. 
But that delight brings you into the store, and there's the temptation. Adam and Eve, they're drawn to the fruit. It's a delight to the eyes. They know they shouldn't do it, but they're drawn. The next is called the lust of the flesh, because the text tells us now Adam and Eve, not only is it a delight to their eyes, but the fruit is good for food. What's called the sensual appetites, that lust to always fulfill our appetites, even though we know we shouldn't. And in this particular case, they had a direct command not to eat of that fruit. But they wanted to satisfy that hunger, and they knew that it was good for food. The third great temptation was the pride of life. And there the devil gets right in their face and says, Did God really say you can't eat from any of the trees? So now he's casting doubt. Eve starts negotiating with the devil and says, Well, no, we can eat all of the trees except the one at the center. And we can't touch it either. Well, there she adds something that was not in the original command by God. The devil responds, God's trying to keep something from you, that if you actually eat of the fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, wise. The arbiters of what's good and evil. There's pride. You can be God without God's help. And they fall. So those are the three great temptations. Now the very same temptations come again in the desert when Jesus is tempted. In fact, it's very deliberate because he's going to reverse the fall. He's the new Adam. And each of those temptations are exactly what Adam and Eve faced. So what's the lust of the eyes? Jesus is taken to the top of a mountain and the devil says, look at all those kingdoms. They're mine. And of course, they were forfeited to the devil by Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were kings and queens. They had dominion over the whole earth. But through the fall, they forfeited it. The devil now comes to Jesus and says, it can all be yours, including the souls of men and women that I have in my grasp. So that was very tempting. But Jesus refuses. Yes, it's a delight to the eyes, but Jesus knows the will of his Father. And he says, worship the Lord only. The second great temptation is, I said, the lust of the flesh. We know what that is. The devil comes to Jesus and says, you're fasting 40 days? You must be starving. And you have power. You can turn these stones into bread. Satisfy the lust of that hunger. Not that it's a bad thing, of course. We have these sensual appetites, but the devil is saying, use your power to satisfy what you want, not what your father wants. Again, that's resisted. And we have that famous verse where Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Quoting scripture. And then the pride of life. Jesus is taken to the most famous building in all of Jerusalem, the pinnacle of the temple. So all the people would be there, and the temptation is throw yourself from the roof, and the angels will come, lest you dash your foot against the stone, they will catch you. And all the people will see this, and they'll fall down in worship, because you have that power. So there's the temptation to pride. Jesus refuses again. 
and says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, how do these three temptations apply to us, and how do we conquer them? Ash Wednesday is the answer. In the gospel, there are three primordial disciplines that directly attack the threefold concupiscence, that threefold lust of the eyes, the flesh, and the pride of life. What attacks the lust of the eyes? What's that discipline in Lent? Almsgiving. We can't very well see everything and want it, that avarice, which is a deadly sin, when we're giving our things away, when we're generous to the poor. Those two things can't coexist. So almsgiving fights the temptation to see everything and want it for ourselves, even if it's not good for ourselves. The second great discipline is fasting, and fasting would come against this lust of the flesh. And fasting can take many different forms, not just from food, but from things that we know we should not be watching on social media. Fasting from going down to the casino and throwing all your money away, or whatever the lust of the flesh would be, fasting. And the third is obviously prayer. So prayer would come against the pride of life. Because if we're praying, it means that we are aware that there's a higher power, and we're not it, and we need God's help. And so we humbly pray to help us in our life. That threefold discipline, if we practice it, not just in Lent, but throughout the whole year, strengthens us to be victorious over these primordial temptations. And they plagued Jesus right through his ministry. So when he was on the cross, the devil again came to him. Remember what the crowd said? If you are God, come down from the cross and we will worship you. That's the temptation to pride. So these big temptations will plague us throughout our lives, but we have the victory in these disciplines. And these primordial temptations go all the way back, even predating the Bible, into the myths like Homer and those writers. They knew of these sins. There's the famous myth of the Sirenes. Sirenes were beautiful women, evil, and when they sang, their songs were so enticing, they were the offspring of the muses, that they would entice sailors as they sailed by these islands that they occupied off the coast of Greece. And as soon as the sailors heard the music, they would be enticed to drive their ships toward the rocky islands and they'd be shipwrecked. And then, of course, the women would kill the sailors. How was it resisted? Well, the Argonauts managed to escape the Cyrene's trap when Orpheus, the leader of them, heard the song and realized the peril they were in, immediately took out his own musical instrument, the lyre, and sang a song so clear and ringing that it drowned out the sound of these lovely but lethal voices. Now that's a lesson for us as well. What's the song that we sing that can drown out the enticements, these threefold temptations? It's our relationship with Christ. We come here today 
and we worship, we join the music, and we read scripture every day so that the word of God is so imbued in us. The music of God is so in us that it drowns out these three great temptations. And so when we are tempted, and we will be, we'll hear more clearly and loudly and beautifully God's word. Well, I'll just end this homily with a song by Casting Crowns, which is a musical group, and they composed this song directly relating to these threefold temptations. It's called Slow Fade. Hear the lyrics. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. It's the second glance that ties your hands as darkness pulls the strings. There's the lust of the eyes. Be careful, little feet, where you go, for it's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow. Well, that's the consequences of sin. It affects people that are in relationship with us, especially children. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white are turned to gray. And thoughts invade, choices are made, a price will be paid. When you give yourself away, people never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. It's a slow fade. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. When flattering leads to compromises, the end is always near. There's the lust of pride. Be careful, little lips, what you say, for empty words and promises lead broken hearts astray. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white are turned to gray. And thoughts invade, choices are made, a price will be paid. When you give yourself away, people never crumble in a day. The journey from your mind to your hands is shorter than your thinking. There's the lust of the flesh. Be careful if you think you stand, you just might be sinking. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white are turned to gray. And thoughts invade, choices are made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day, daddies never crumble in a day, families never crumble in a day. Beautiful lyrics addressing this whole area of temptations. So the season of Lent brings us back to these basics and helps us to be reminded of what is the remedy? How can we be victorious through our lives? So as we enter this season, let us take stock of our lives and perhaps see temptation as a time and place in which to meet and lean on God. In that encounter and in our reliance on grace, we will be blessed. Temptation does not have to be a negative experience. On the contrary, it can be a positive affirmation of our faith and just as Jesus emerged from his struggle with temptation in the desert ready to begin his public ministry so too we can emerge stronger a changed people more humble more deeply aware of our need for God and that's a beautiful thing